Welcome to the Liberty Block. I'm Alu Axelman. This video is sponsored by the Silver Pool, where you can find the best prices on physical silver that you will find anywhere. And you can get an extra discount exclusive to us if you mention the Liberty Block when you visit the store at 33 North Stark Highway in Ware, currently operating from 12 to 8 on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Visit thesilverpool.com to learn more. Check out our recent podcast with Silver Dave, who owns the store and who manufactures the silver. He sells this beautiful 0.925 silver and silver bits, which is exclusive to him that he pretty much created. And we had him on the show recently. Check out our podcast with him. And he sells some 0.999 bullion and some beautiful maple leaves that I picked up a few more the other day from him. So check out our podcast. I'll try to link it in the description. Awesome guy. Best prices. I shop there whenever I go to the store. I buy some more stuff. All right. This podcast is going to be a continuation of the series on secession and some of the biggest questions about secession as you know we've done a few installments of this podcast and video already and i'm pretty much just taking chapters out of this book which are also articles available free on the website it's one of the few things that i've done that i've put up for free as well on the site it's that important so this book you could find on amazon the physical book for like uh eight bucks ten bucks right now or maybe even cheaper and i also published every chapter in the book as articles on libertyblock.com now, what I do in this book is I really wrote it for legislators, and I, I handed it out to legislators just in time before the final vote on independence. Unfortunately, all but 13 were um, not courageous enough to vote in favor of the legislation that would have placed the question of independence on the ballot for the people. So in this installment, what I do pretty much with the, the whole book and all the articles is I answer the most common questions that I got from legislators or other concerned citizens, the most legitimate questions, the hardest questions about independence. Okay. I understand um, D.C. politicians are not good. We should get away from them. But what would happen with this specific system if we left the D.C. politicians? So in this installment, we're going to be addressing the national defense because it's one of the systems that is going to be extremely important. And how will it function? How will national defense function once we leave the union? And I'll link the article. I'm pretty much just going to be the article for the podcast listeners today with my own commentary, of course. And... So how would our national defense work if we leave the Union? Without the great, almighty, awesome D.C. politicians, how will we be able to protect ourselves? We all know the U.S. government spends, I don't know, around a trillion dollars a year, a few hundred billion on the military, and, and you know, a lot of people believe they protect us, which, you know, in a sense they do, from, from foreign attackers, hostile regimes, and all that. So would New Hampshire, our state, should we become sovereign from the Union, be able to defend ourselves effectively? Or should we stay in the Union because, among other reasons, the federal government can protect us better than we could? All right, let's get into it. First, before I even do anything, I would remind people that if we're going to be discussing threats to us, threats to people, me, you, Individuals. There's a big difference between governments, you know, the public, which means the government, and individual people like me, my wife, Kate, my friend, Mike, my friend, Sam, you know, people. If we're going to discuss threats to individual people, we have to acknowledge that the biggest threat to individuals, as far as being killed or punished or tortured, um, uh, beaten, is the government. Yeah, that's right. So... Over the last 100 years, 200 years, take any clip of history, the biggest killer, if you look at various cohorts, is the government. From Mao Zedong in China, and now even Xi Jinping, killing people, especially in Shanghai with the lockdowns, people torturing them so badly they're jumping out of buildings to commit suicide. 
Russian dictators from Stalin to Lenin and, and beyond, the Kim Jong family in North Korea, Castro in Cuba, Hitler in Germany, the list goes on and on and on. Armenian genocide, we can go on forever. Venezuela, Chile. The, the governments, including the federal government, are the biggest killers. Now, I mentioned this a lot in, in other articles. The federal government was created by the founders, the great founders, in the Constitution. And here's one of my copies of the Constitution. And it says in the Constitution, in the Declaration, I believe, the federal government was created by the founders, by the 13 colonies in 1776, Constitution ratified in 1789, for one purpose, to protect our natural rights, among them, life, liberty, property, pursuit of happiness. The first one I said was life, right? To protect our life. The federal government was created to protect our life and our rights. Not only do they not protect our life, people still die all the time, they are the biggest killer. So they're the biggest threat to our rights. So the federal government was created for one reason, to protect us. Not only do they not protect us, they are actually the biggest killers, as, as we've said. The federal government and other governments are the, the number one murderers. So that's just, so if, when people say the federal government keeps us safe, Actually, they do the opposite. They don't keep us safe. They don't do nothing. They actually are the ones who kill us. And um, from Waco to Ruby Ridge to um, bombing uh, the black people in Philadelphia, dropping like an actual bomb on a building, the Philadelphia police decades ago, but also recently a few days ago in Uvalde, Texas, where police, again, not only did not protect the kids, they stopped. They used physical force. They used violence to hold down parents and punish them and beat them and handcuff them because parents wanted to go in and save their kids from a crazy school shooter. So again, the police were protecting the shooter and killing the kids, and and they were doing the opposite of protection. They were stopping people from protecting the kids, and that's what the government does. I know that city government, same with state government, same with federal government. So that's just the, the first thing to acknowledge. Additionally, another way the federal government makes us currently less safe is while I don't believe that 100% of, of terrorism and hostile regimes and our enemies are created by the federal government, a whole lot of them are created by the government, helped by the federal government with taxpayer dollars, and agitated by the federal government, and the federal government destabilizes regions. We've seen them destabilize places in the Middle East from uh, Syria, Yemen, um, Libya, so, so many places that they might take out a dictator or take out a, a, a president or the government and reinstall them with someone roughly as bad. Could be worse, could be better, but it's it's the CIA or the federal government's own person, or there was a threat, like from Gaddafi, a threat to leave the dollar. And obviously we all know the more interest in the dollar there is, the more demand, the, the more it's worth. And if nobody wants to use the dollar anymore, it'll plummet. And then, of course, we're back to silver. That's why I believe in silver and gold and real sound money. So they destabilize regions, and we discussed that in the article. Um, the, the most recent example was a few months ago, Let's Go Brandon, where dictator Biden left around $20 billion worth of, again, taxpayer money that I paid for, of uh, thousands of M16s, Humvees, night vision goggles, um, a whole bunch of things that are actually illegal for citizens to own, illegal for me to own. You and I can't own it. But he left those things in the Afghanistan in the hands of the Taliban. So again, why is the Taliban so dangerous? Why can they now hurt some of us and hurt people in Israel, maybe even as far as the United States? Because they have great weapons now. And they have you know, helicopters, I think they have Blackhawks, airplanes, everything. They have these because they wouldn't have had them. If the federal government didn't exist, they wouldn't have them. The federal government gave them these weapons. We all know the federal government created ISIS. They say it was an honest mistake. I don't care if it was a mistake or not. I don't think it was, but whatever. They, they were arming certain rebels that were against the regime that was worse. And then those rebels became ISIS. So, for so many reasons, I'm sure there have been books written about this, the federal government. 
also the federal government has given weapons, strategic uh, weapons and technology, on many occasions to to the Chinese CCP, to Putin, Russia. So if you consider Russia and Chinese governments hostile to us, which I, I do agree that, that that in some sense they're they're certainly hostile to us and their threats. China's a big threat. I've said for a while China's the most powerful government in the world for years. I've said that, and I think it's true. Um, a lot of the strategic technology was was approved or sold to them or given to them by the federal government. So the federal government actually facilitates these hostile regimes becoming more powerful and bigger threats to us. So, so again, the, with, if the federal government ceased to exist somehow tomorrow, I think we'd be safer for the reason that, at least in this sense, that China would have less technology. Because the, the technology that they given, like, the, like the tiny, a few years ago, the tiniest batteries, the most efficient, amazing batteries that could be used, obviously, for military purposes, w was given to them by the federal government. We all know the federal government approved the sale and gave, um, I think, the majority of our um, uranium reserves to Russia, to a Russian company. And that was under Hillary Clinton and Obama, I believe. So for so many reasons, and again, there have been books written about this. If you read Peter Schweitzer's books, uh, Secret Empires and a few other books, and I think Bongino's books, uh, maybe Follow the Money or some others, they discuss some of the corruption. But Peter Schweitzer is the guy. He's a great author. He's written a few books about just tremendous corruption. And I think I only read Secret Empires, but they're all about corruption, about the federal government making us less safe. Now, unfortunately, he's smart, but not smart enough to become a voluntarist or anarchist. He still believes we can have government if it's better. We just have to vote for the right people. But that's not how it works. It's not the people. It's not Obama and Clinton. It's the fact that the government exists. Everyone becomes corrupt in the government eventually. All right. Now, let's get into actually how, the federal, how New Hampshire might protect itself. So how would an independent republic defend itself from, from the biggest threat, which I, I think is Chinese government, the Chinese military. So, as I kind of mentioned previously in the article, physical wars don't really happen. Um, Large-scale wars don't happen in the modern era. Um, maybe because there are massive alliances that would make any war into a world war, and people don't really want that. Um, maybe because we've evolved to more cyber warfare than, than physical warfare, because it's just more bloody and less efficient for everyone. But I have here listed as, as reason number one, the world's citizens have largely evolved to support a more civil and peaceful planet where humans can coexist without killing each other. The weapons that the large nations possess essentially are counterproductive because of mutual assured destruction, um, which I actually may or may not believe in totally, but you know there are nuclear bombs that would kill pretty much everyone. But also, if, if China were to bomb New Hampshire uh, with massive bombs and take us out from afar, they could kill every person in New Hampshire, but also other neighboring states, but also they would destroy all the infrastructure here, which would cost them billions, which would render the whole attack moot because it would be inefficient, because what's the point of owning land if it has no use and it's flat and there are no people to enslave or work for you, no resources, nothing, it would end up losing money on it, probably. Um, they would rather come here and enslave us, and they could do it in better ways, so they wouldn't bomb us. Um, they would. So if they could bomb us, would they come in uh, physically? Would they physically send troops door to door to kill 1.4 million people? many of which, maybe the majority, are armed with AR-15s and, like, decent weapons. Would they want to take out 1.4 million individual people? That's that's a lot. That's actually, I think, roughly as big as their army. So it might not be super successful, and, and they might take casualties, like, lose half their military. So I don't think that's viable either. So I, I don't think they could do either either form they could do. As far as cyber war, what's interesting is that it, a lot of places in the Union, especially New Hampshire, which I would argue is the most high-tech cybersecurity resilient place in the United States. Um, we, I know tons of people, maybe thousands here, who work in cybersecurity. So we have, people think Silicon Valley is the highest tech place in the union, I don't know. I think New Hampshire, in, in at least with cybersecurity, 
um, cryptocurrency, some programming, networking, software development stuff. Um, almost, like almost every libertarian here and, and many others were natives here work in tech. It's one of the biggest things here, tech. So if any place could survive cyber warfare attacks, it's us. But again, even more than that, I want to compare it. Number one, in the article I discuss, whenever we discuss a, a big um, difference, a big change happening, you have to discuss, compare it not to the ideal, not to utopia or paradise, perfect world, compare it to the current state. And here's what I mean. Currently, China has launched successful cyber attacks on the United States, probably. Russia definitely has. They Every other day, they hold a, a big, massive pipeline or a big company hostage with, with a, a, a ransomware or something like that. So it already happens. So people say, if New Hampshire left the union, you'd have cyber attacks. Yeah, we already do have cyber attacks against the federal government. But here's the thing about decentralization, the biggest thing. Libertarians, voluntarists, anarchists are very big on decentralization. Obviously, it's like our number one philosophy besides the NAP. Um, now, the more decentralized, the harder it is to take on a server, right? Right now, the federal government, so essentially on a very simple level, I know I'm oversimplifying, but but on a simple level, as far as cybersecurity, so we're only talking cyber warfare now, China could take over the United States with one attack. All they have to do is hack into the network of the Pentagon or the White House or whatever. One attack, and essentially they take over or they get all of the information in the union because the federal government has all of our information. They know my taxes, they know my height and weight, they know my preferences, they can tap into Zuckerberg's um, fascist book and they can see my preferences and they know what I like is more than I like because they know every single preference that I hover over a picture for a millisecond too long and they know exactly what I like if I'm into certain things. Um, so they can get all the, they, might, they know my address, they know my bank accounts, social security number, everything. So if the Chinese or any other hostile regime hacks into the network of the Pentagon or the Capitol, one hack and they can take over the union like that in an instant. Once we decentralize and we secede and we balkanize, which is inevitable, New Hampshire will be independent as well the other 50 states, or maybe we'll break up into more states, which will be great the more we break up. They would have to hack into 50 different networks that are run differently, different kinds of firewalls. I don't know, different kinds of antivirus or hack protection. I don't know. I'm not in tech, but a lot of my friends are. Tons of people in New Hampshire are, maybe 100,000 people. So New Hampshire might have better or just different types of cybersecurity. Meaning China would have to work 50 times as hard to take over the entire United States. If we decentralize further to counties or towns or eventually individuals, China would have to launch 340 million independent, successful cyber attacks to take over the United States. That's the power of decentralization. So again, the more we decentralize, as Jacob said, Jacob, the father of the Bible, or one of the biblical uh, founding fathers of, of uh, Judaism and all that, he said, don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? I remember that from like first grade other than Israel. So decentralization, that's what he was saying. Decentralized guys, that's what he was saying. So as far as cyber warfare, we're definitely in good shape, better shape if we leave the union. All right, let me see if I have anything else here. Um, yeah, now the other thing we do have to have to address is the military. The, the Right now, if we leave the union, the New Hampshire military would be the New Hampshire National Guard, which we could do a whole segment on how the National Guard was, was stolen, their sovereignty was stolen. They used to really be the state militia. And then starting under Teddy Roosevelt, I believe, the Republican, but I don't care, they're all tyrants. He was a Republican in like 1910 times, um, so around 100 years ago. He started taking with the National Guard, whatever act, started saying, well, the National Guard can cooperate with the federal government military and train together. And, you know, if we need them, we'll call them to service. And, you know, they should just be the same thing. And now, and now right now, they're 99.9% .9 the same thing. So I, I understand that. But still... The National Guard technically is the New Hampshire military. Once we leave the Union, most likely that would continue to be the military. 
Some people of the National Guard might move to Massachusetts or move to back to the, a place in the Union. Some might stay here and be loyal to their state. Either way, I don't know. Some will stay, some will go. Um, but that will be the military. We will have to obviously um, work on recruiting and get a, a bigger military, I, I would I would think. Um, but also, the, the standing militia, the standing army, would be the people. So every person who's an armed person, as it says in the Constitution, um, or, or other founders have said in, in other quotes, the people are the militia. So so it's, it's all of us. Uh, but yeah, I, I understand that we'd have to um, work on recruiting or volunteering or have a, a big volunteer system. Also, people, I discuss here the money. I discuss the money in every article. Every chapter of Articles of Succession in the book, I discuss the money because it's so important. What we're saving on federal taxes and saving from federal regulatory costs, the federal regulations costing us trillions of dollars, that savings can go towards military, towards paying people in the military. I'm not big on standing militaries. Obviously, that's one of the problems that I think Washington warned about. Um, but we can pay for stuff. People say we won't be able to afford tanks. Someone told me the other day, oh, they're so expensive, tanks and airplanes. Uh, yeah, I know they're billions. The F-35 costs trillions, but that was a boondoggle. That was a federal government wasting money. We don't have to waste that money. We can be more efficient, but I understand things cost money. You know, we're talking in level of billions for, for military stuff. Uh, but again, we're going to be saving billions or trillions, so we'll have enough money for the military. Um, I think lastly, the, the last kind of thing I addressed in the article here is our policy of neutrality. Obviously, New Hampshire, I can only assume I'm not dictator of New Hampshire. Um, maybe I would run for president of New Hampshire if uh, we leave the Union, when we leave the Union. I don't know, but right now I can't make decisions. I can only predict what might happen, what is likely to happen. I think we would likely be very neutral, very peaceful, maybe like Switzerland, maybe even more peaceful and neutral. Um, and if we mind our own business, which is the opposite policy of the United States government, the DC politicians, then I think we'll be in good shape and, and no countries will hate us. Well, some will. Iran will hate us because they hate freedom. Um, they, they really do. China might hate us because they just, they kind of hate freedom and, and they, well, they, they definitely hate freedom, but they also want to take over every place in the world eventually. Um, Russia may or may not hate us. I don't know. Some countries will hate us, but for the most part, if we're peaceful like Switzerland, very few will hate us and, the, and, and they'll be considered um, hating us for, for pretty poor reasons because we haven't harmed them at all. Um, and also we'll, we'll try to cooperate. There's a great quote that I really love that I'm starting to like more and more. If products don't cross borders, soldiers will. And it pretty much means free trade keeps everyone cooperating and peaceful and free trade across everyone, allowing for specialization and trade is, is the best policy for everyone, makes everyone wealthy and prosperous and happy and peaceful. And if, if that's not happening, like embargoes happen, then eventually soldiers may end up at war. And embargo is an act of war, so embargo kind of leads to war. So I think we covered pretty much everything in the article. If you guys have any more questions, please comment on the article. I'll link it to the podcast here in the video um, or just send a message. You can now email me at alu at libertyblock.com. Uh, find us on Facebook or Twitter or anything. Follow us on Twitter at, at, the, at libertyblock. Let me know if you have any more questions. Let me know if you have any more issues that we should address in the book because I think I have uh, 10 chapters or, or 12 here. But I, I do want to keep adding to it with all the most legitimate questions, all the most important questions. Yeah, I got a table of contents here. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I think. Chapters here so far only. But I, I want to make it, keep expanding it because there are all legitimate questions. I think I heard another one the other day. So I want to keep expanding with more articles and more chapters in the book. And by next year, I'm going to hand out these to every legislator, hopefully. Um, if you want to donate to that effort, that's fine because it costs a few bucks to print. I want to make every make sure every legislator knows. And again, one of the great arguments we have is that not a single legislator of the 424 in New Hampshire, not a single New Hampshire state official, especially legislators, has been willing to debate the issue of independence publicly. 
when they're in their committee rooms and you're not allowed to talk or they have a turn to talk or they can say whatever they want or shut you up or you get two minutes, they're in their element. They don't mind talking about it. But they've been offered for the last year or two public debates. A lot of them know this. They all know that they've been offered a public debate. The, the offer is on the table. Not a single legislator wants to debate the issue. They do not have it. And some have told me to my face they'll never debate me. They don't want to debate the issue. They know they don't have they don't have the arguments. So keep keep pressuring them, guys. Tell them about LibertyBlock.com. Tell them about the booklet articles of secession. Ask them to debate publicly against someone who supports independence. And see if any legislator believes that it's such a, an issue, that's such a, a, a positive issue that is so certain that independence is bad and that there's no good argument for it, why are they not willing to defend their position in a public debate? That's all for today. Check out LibertyBlock.com for more. Check out AmericansUPS.com. Check out NHIndependence.org. There's a PAC now to support independence. It's NHIPAC.org. NHIPAC.org. Thank you very much. Have a great day.